Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Oh, Doctor, thank God you're here. Oh, look, it's Captain Jack Harkness. As I live and breathe. What can I do you for? Uh, it's urgent, but it's, uh, it's embarrassing, Doctor. I'm, uh... I'm on a date with this guy. Oh, lucky fella. Yeah, but I can't. You can't. It, you know, it, it, uh, it, it won't. It what won't? It won't. You know, it won't. It, uh, it won't stand to attention. Okay. Oh. Ah. Rightio. Uh, let's give this a shot. Huh. Turns out you can sonic wood. <laughs> Hello and welcome to a packed episode of The Doctor Is In. I'm your host, Paul Verhoeven, and how you all doing? Good? Are you all resting comfortably after the latest episode of Doctor Who? I mean, pyramids, monks, what I strongly suspect were just banks of top-grade hydroponics. So much to take in. Uh, but first, I wanted to uh, drop a little bit of news. I was on Whovians last night, ABC 2's Whovians, hosted by Rove. So if you missed it, uh, do be sure to hop across to ABC iView, and you can watch me and Rove and Tegan and co. having a really fantastic time. Uh, it was just... It, it was so great. I had such a wonderful time, so make sure you check it out. Oh, and I don't mean to bury the lead, bloody Matt Lucas is on the show today. Not all himself. We had a long, frankly intimate chat about lots of stuff, actually, and it was a Skype chat and he was wearing nothing but a towel and a smile. So before we disrobe and things get super weird and frankly awesome, it's time for Whose News Is It Anyway? <laughs> First up in news, the BBC have decided to cut a line referencing terrorism from this week's episode out of respect for the Manchester bombing. Telling Radio Times, following the tragic events in Manchester, we have made a small edit to this week's episode of Doctor Who. Now, the reference was a passing one, but this isn't the first time Doctor Who has been tinkered with, and, uh, you know, just slightly tinkered with, to be sensitive to real-life events. The Robert of Sherwood received a similar edit to cut out a reference that bore similarities to an ISIS attack around the same time. Next in news, five more seasons, at least. Now, the BBC has struck a deal with Chinese company Shanghai Media Pictures to bring Doctor Who to China, part of which involves at least five more seasons of Doctor Who. So for those of you worried that the show was going to get cancelled, I guess you can take off your funeral clothes, stop weeping uncontrollably, and buckle up for at least five more years of Doctor Who, which means after Chibnall's first season, hearing people chant four more years in the street won't be incredibly depressing. And now it's time to catch up with our guest this week, Matt Lucas. Hello. Hello, how are oh, you? I'm all right, thank you. I probably won't use cam because I've still got my towel around me. <laughs> Should I? I'll turn mine off or that'd be weird, wouldn't it? Well, it's all right. One second, look, I'll show you. I've just got out of the shower. So here I am. You can see it's me. There you go. Oh, thank you. That was super intense. I really appreciate that. Let me... um. It's a shame this is a, is a podcast, because that really would have translated quite well. Bugger. It's a podcast. No, it is a podcast, <laughs> unfortunately. So I'll just, I'll just describe it in, in, a, in a pleasing baritone. Thank you for joining me, by the way, uh, on, on the podcast. It, it's, it's very kind of you. Um, Pleasure. This season of Doctor Who feels super timely. 
Like it feels weirdly plugged into a lot of really important stuff. What what what, what are the um what what are the things in this season that have spoken to you in terms of like the important things that this season has been saying and doing? Do you think? Oh, you know, um, you're talking to someone who gets the script, reads it, learns it, then reads it again to try and understand it, doesn't understand it, acts it, <laughs> goes home, eat crisps. That's what you're talking to. Okay. So if you look at any insight, you should. <laughs> To every Doctor Who fan under the sun and the stars yeah. in other galaxies, because um, my usual thing is to read the script and then go, "Well, there's a lot of jargon this week, isn't there?" Oh, I'm a puppet. You, yeah, I'm a puppet. Okay, but you got to You got to Surely you're coming from a place of this. The, what is this magical thing I'm dipping my toe into this week? Like, wh- wh- okay, when you've been reading these scripts, what what have you strayed across in your frankly under researched foray into Doctor Who and sort of gone? Deep. This is. <laughs> what do you think? Woefully well, under researched. Right, disgustingly under researched. They're frankly, horrifically overpaid. Probably oh, it's the BBC. Um, but like, what 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 has struck you about this you season? Have to pay them. <laughs> <laughs> they auditioned for you. Be in the show, yeah, you have to pay to be in it. Um, uh, well, what are the themes? Well, I suppose, um, you know, maybe the Doctor's regeneration has already begun. So it's about death and change and fighting it, and eventually probably accepting it. That's to me. But again, like I say, I'm not very bright and don't really know what I'm talking about. It. One of the things about Doctor Who is it kind of means what you want it to mean sure. in many ways and, and often speaks to people who, who don't feel that any other TV show is speaking to them, you know, um, or speaks to them in a way that other shows don't speak to them. Right. I'm trying to think. Well, it's about change. I mean, Bill's gay, for instance. That's changed. Nardole has been changed lots by the Doctor. Sure. Is he? Yeah. Is he? Because I I heard somebody the other day suggest that it, there was a line from the doctor saying he chose your face, and there's there's some people, crazy people, think that you might be the next incarnation of the doctor, and be Why is it, well. I mean, if it turns out to be true, I mean, I will be I will be very happy because then the regeneration's already happened, and you've had to go back and spend a season with your previous self to make sure you don't stuff the regeneration up, like. That's, I mean, can you nod or... <laughs> I think if I was the doctor, there'd yeah. be a bit more dignity going on right now. I I'm sat know. in my tower, in my bed, oh, and you can see me. No, it's the classic misdirect. See, this is Drunken Master. You are lulling me into a false sense of security. People think Nardole's the doctor. They think Nardole's the master. I don't want to disavow anyone of any theories they've come up with because, you know... A lot is going to be revealed as the series goes on sure. about all of these characters. But my, you know, as much as my job is to play Nardal and speak the lines, my job is also not to give away spoilers. Yes. Um, and no one has actually ever sat me down and said, you must not say this. I think it's probably, it's just expected that I would know that. But it just goes against my personal, you know, approach which is they're called spoilers for a reason yeah of course uh, what you do know is that nardole is a bit of a hybrid there's a bit of alien there there's a bit of robot there might be 
some other things going on. All right. So bi- biologically, he's a kind of a hodgepodge. But how much of the, how much of Nardole is you? Like, because you create a lot of characters. How much, how much of Nardole did they give you, and how much do you bring to the table? You know, the lines are written by other people. You know, the character is created by Stephen Moffat. Um, I've improvised some lines, thrown them in, little things. You know, some of my best friends are bluish. I threw that in, or the cuddle the other week in Oxygen. And there's various things. Uh, I tend to improvise quite a lot and then um, just throw things out there and trust the process. And they'll use what they want to use, what's whatever they think is right to use in that moment, sure. at that time, you know. But I do the script as well, and um, yeah, I haven't I haven't seen Extremists yet. I don't normally watch things I'm in, but I was on a I was people kept saying, "Oh, you must watch Doctor Who," and um, I was on a flight back from LA, and I downloaded them all to watch. Sure. And so I just watched I watched them all in a row. Um, and it was great. I binged watched it. I binged watched Doctor Who. Nice. For four episodes. I was like, oh, this is cool. And I enjoyed it. But I don't generally watch, I don't, I, I watch football and documentaries, really. And I don't really watch things I'm in. I did Midsummer Night's Dream last year, also in Cardiff with the same crew. Mm. And I still haven't seen that. I ought to. I get a bit self-conscious myself are you shy do you think it's shyness or is it something else i don't know i mean when you when when actors say they're shy right there's uh people go oh yeah right oh you're so shy i saw you on the stage in front of thousands of people that's how shy you are so it's a different kind of shy isn't it yeah um but there's a, a kind of there's a kind of actors shy and i do have whatever that is where i'm i'm just I feel a bit, I can be unleashed if I'm in a character, but me as myself, you know, if I'm one-on-one with someone and, and it's a friend and I'm chatting, I'm pretty extrovert, but generally I don't mind being a bit quieter, you know, listening to other people. Um, anyone who knows me will tell you that's rubbish, by the way. <laughs> I don't know. I Like my partner is an actor and she refuses to watch her own stuff and I still I still can't figure out what it is, but like, is it, do you like what you do? Did you watch back Doctor Who and go, I did a good job there. Like I liked, I liked what I accomplished on screen there. I just, I don't know. How are you when you look at pictures of yourself? I love How are it. you when you... I love it. But I'm, an, I'm, love... but I'm awful. Like I'm, I'm, an, I'm an awful person. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm complex. People are complex, aren't they? So yeah. I feel all things when I watch it. But I, you know, I let other people have an opinion and I'm just happy to be in Doctor Who. That's just nice, isn't it? Yeah, God, yeah. I'm grateful to be in the show and uh, it's an enjoyable job to have and the people are really nice. The crew are really nice on that show. Everyone works really long hours and um, the reality of, of, you know, when the show comes on and you're watching it, mm. that's a, quite a small part of the process for me. That's just the very end of it. Yeah. Uh, and that's what you share with everyone else. The the, the truth of, of all of it for us is 10 months in, in the cold, wet climate of Cardiff with, you know, chatting to the same people every day and becoming like a family Yeah. Uh, with the same people. And that and that's the real Doctor Who experience for me. Um, and just and, and making quick decisions that you hope are right, because there's lots to do every day. We're really up against it. There's never a time when nothing is happening. We get we, we, we get half an hour for lunch. 
you know, but you're usually just looking at your lines again when that's happening. You just you're just working, um, moving all the time. And uh, we don't have stand-ins on the show, so we're always lining up the shots and stuff like that, which is fine. It's absolutely fine. It's yeah. not a problem, but it just means that that you're just working all the time. So you're you're chatting with people, and you're playing with people all day, and that's not just the other actors. That's the crew, and you're filming sometimes in really grueling environments. You know, on the Brecon Beacons the day after, you know, the morning we all woke up to find Trump had won the election. We were on the Brecon Beacons, which was so exposed and so cold. Yeah. And Pearl had a very, very, very light costume on. And there was the only place we could vaguely get warm was was the TARDIS. But even then, it wasn't really warm. It was just mildly less freezing. Sure. And the three of us, you know, me, Peter and Pearl were just huddled in that TARDIS, shivering and wondering, you know, whether it was the end of the world. Um, and other times when we're, you're in a quarry or you're somewhere, and you know, there's no mobile phone reception and you're just frozen or it's raining down on you and all the stories about being frozen. <laughs> Wales sounds lovely, by the way. We're in, we were in a lot of places where there was no mobile phone reception, I know that. Yeah. And that makes me anxious. Right. You know, these days. And um but it was great because you'd have quite quite deep conversations and then you go, Oh yeah, we have to film something. Oh yeah. But it's been great. I've made good friends on it and it's it's also nice to be in something. I mean, uh you know sometimes I do I'm in like films and then someone goes, Oh, when's that film out? And you go, Oh, it came out six months ago. Right. Whereas with Doctor Who, people kind of know about it, and it's nice to be in something that you know is going to be on, you know is going to be watched by you know 100 million people around the world, yeah. and that's you know it's 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 exciting, but it's also humbling. It's great. It's great. I'm, I'm very lucky to be a part of it. How are you going to come down from that? Because I mean, it sounds like you know the familial intimacy that you get in those moments where you're dying of exposure, hiding in a wooden box, like. You, you you don't get to do that again. Like you can watch the you know the tip of the iceberg. You can watch the end product, but you can't. How are you gonna How are you gonna move past this? And what are you gonna do with it? Like when you're moving forward. Well, I think that's the best crew I've worked with on that show. Right. Um, and it's the longest I've worked on any one show in terms of here you are ten months with this group of people. Yeah. Um, how will I come down from it? Um, when will I have to come down from it? Sure. Um. Sure. Uh, I know the answer to that question, but I can't tell you. Um, but, well, there's, you know, every job has its own identity and, and you work with other people and, and, you know, you bond with them. But there was something very special about this particular show because, because, because it's such an institution and because it's been going for so long, everybody has a relationship with Doctor Who. Mm. You know, so there was a lovely girl who was one of the runners called Lauren who actually ended up having a line in the show the, the other week oh. and as a student oh. as a student asking a question and Lauren had had a job at the Doctor Who experience across the road mm. as a guide you know and then worked her way onto the actual show yeah. and then uh, her boyfriend Jamie was very very tall and so people asked him would you be in the show because Actually, what people don't know is that often the I don't I don't want to say extras because it's a bit more than an extra. And we don't use that word really anymore in, in the UK. But mm. 
the supporting artists, sure. the the people that were the you know were the were the were the zombies in Oxygen, who might be the monks in another episode, who who might be the Cybermen or the Daleks. They often use the same people, oh. so we we get to know we get to know those people as well. So so Lauren's boyfriend, Jamie, was just very tall. And then people said, well, you'd actually be the right size and shape for a lot of the monsters in our show. So he became a regular on the show and, and he would be playing different people um, on the show. So, so it's interesting. Everyone's got their own relationship with, with, with the show. Everyone's got their own relationship with it growing up. And some people, you know, you, you, as you discover on the show, some people never watch it. And other people have watched it since they came out the womb and you know so it's so it's a it's a really interesting thing it's probably a bit like I'm a massive Arsenal fan you know for football yeah. and it's probably like having a job at Arsenal or something like that where you go and work for an institution that you love and you already have your own relationship with it mm. and some of the people who work alongside you probably hate football and have no interest but it's just a job other people you know Maybe their brother played for the team. Other people, you know, everyone's got their own relationship with it. And Doctor Who's like that, I think. It's really, it's really interesting. Um, you know, and it gives everyone something to talk about and something to feel. Sure. And occasionally we have visitors come on set, you know, and you see their eyes light up in wonder when you take them into the TARDIS. And I'm in the TARDIS all the time. You know, I think nothing of it. Yeah. But, but deep down, I kind of do think quite a lot of it, actually. In fact, there was never a day where I didn't pinch myself and go, "Wow, I'm on Doctor Who. Aren't I lucky?" What do you think? Um, what do you think? Like ten-year-old Matt Lucas would think if he could look forward in time and see you or him rather as an adult on the show? Well, I'd be, uh, which in the world of Doctor Who, I'd probably be sat next to myself. Those ages, um, yeah, really excited and proud and delighted because that's all I wanted was to be an actor. You know. And um, and what Doctor Who is now, it's so great, isn't it? It's just so great. It's so epic. And it's amazing on the BBC's resources to to pull that out of the hat every week. Yeah. You know, it's, it's really impressive. Well, I sincerely hope that those people I've been listening to are right and you actually do, you know, get another four or five years and you get your own costume and you get your own... What would you wear, by the way, if you were the Doctor? If you were the Doctor, would you keep the duffel coat or would you put on some velvet would you like bubble wrap three-piece like what what would your look be if you were the doctor oh definitely a cravat cravat would be good <laughs> just go and start <laughs> i'd wear layers that can come on and off easily right because what happens with filming is you're either at you're outside somewhere and you are freezing yeah or you're inside and it's really hot under the lights and often what happens is you know you have to make a choice what, what costume you're going to wear. I'd wear something practical. <laughs> That's not... Um, <laughs> the action figure people I'm, are going to be pissed. <laughs> yeah. For one of my first jobs, I, I was well known for wearing a giant romper suit. Maybe I'd go back into the romper suit. It was very comfy, you know. What is a romper? I, I've yet to... Oh, it's like a onesie. It's what a baby wears, a onesie. <laughs> so you want, the, you want the doctor in a onesie with a bum flap and everything? Yeah. All right. It's comfy. And a cravat. <laughs> <laughs> a formal, you want a formal onesie, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm good for about another ten minutes, and then I'm going to go and put on a suit, and go and do an episode of QI. You lucky thing. But the atmosphere in Britain is going to be very somber today. 
And as I was going to bed, I was thinking, well, maybe they should cancel. Maybe they should reschedule. Because I don't know that... When, when I used to do this TV show, Shooting Stars, they cancelled... When Princess Diana died, they cancelled the show. Hmm. You know, because it was just national mourning in the country. And 22 people died last night here. And it's um, very impactful when something like that happens. And yeah. It's a lot of sadness, but also a lot of anger. But, of course, people say you have to carry on doing what you're doing. To, that's the point. So I'm going to go and shortly and put on a suit and no cravat and um, do QI, which is a which is a nice show. It's like a kind of rambling chat. Um, I've got no plans this evening. What are you up to? Wait, what? I'm joking. So um, isn't Bill brilliant? She's wonderful. I, I love her. I haven't liked a companion that much in a long time. She's really great. She's really great. And Peter, it's so it's so great to work to work with him and just to watch him, to watch his his he, he's really, really devoted and I and I really respect that. You know, he's really he really understands that the show is something that is just now gonna be around. Mm. And so he works so hard to make it the best it can be. And it's just great watching him. He's absolutely immersed in it. You know, there isn't really a minute of the day where he's not looking at his lines again, you know, thinking about it, processing it, doing it. It's, and it's, it's, it's a wonder to behold. It's like a masterclass, really. And it's great. And it's tough because you have to make decisions very quickly. You, your rehearsal time is minimal. Mm. And then you're shooting pretty quickly. Once or twice I said, I stopped and I just said, we need more rehearsal for this. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, this, this, we got, we got to, we got to get this right first. Um, you have to move quickly and then you spend the whole day doing it and you go, oh, I want to change it. But you can't because because continuity, you know, Do you pick up any moments where you're like, I wish I could have I wish I could have taken a second swing at that. Or were you, were you pretty happy with everyone's performances? You know, sometimes you do. But the reality is and the thing I the thing I I always said to myself is trust the process, you know, yeah. and and actually. The truth is the episodes move zip along quite quickly. Sure, yeah. And there are whole scenes that we shoot that just are not even in the show. Really? That we might spend half a day shooting. Yeah, there's always too much. Um, and actually, the one thing I think when I watch the Christmas specials, which are an hour, they always feel too long to me. Right. Um, I think the episode, when, whenever I'm getting the script, I'm like, how are they going to fit all of this into 45 minutes or 43 minutes, whatever it is? Mm. And I always think that when I'm watching an episode. God, this is... This is really packed. But when I watch a Christmas special, I'm like, oh, could just tighten this up. And so and so the reality is that, yeah, sometimes you go, oh, I wish I'd done that line differently. But half the time, the camera isn't even on you. The camera's already setting up the next bit sure. because it just zips along, zips along. Because TV has to zip along because otherwise people turn over. So, mm-hmm. so you know, you are you are fighting, you know, Britain's Got Talent or whatever's on the other side. With Britain's Got Talent, which David Walliams is in. So we're 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 on we're on at the same time on on opposite channels. Nice. Um uh you know, and and so the show has to zip along. So sometimes you think, "Oh, I wish I'd done that differently." But the reality is when the show's on, the shot is so quick. Sure. That it's they they cut all that stuff out anyway. But they surely they you know. like the, when you did stuff like the hug and whatnot. Those are moments that presumably you didn't. Did you think they would get in? Did you sit there afterwards going, "I hope they keep that bit in," or like did you? Know? Yeah, 
that's one the, the thing. There was only one thing. I mean, there's other things, isn't there? There was like in in um, oxygen. There's a bit where Nardole puts on his helmet, and I and I breathe out, and then wash the outside of my helmet. And it's really quick, and it yeah. just happens quick. I just improvised that in that take. Mm. And everyone laughed and it, they kept it in. But just because everyone laughs doesn't mean it's going to stay in because sometimes people are laughing because you're doing something slightly different to what you did on the last take and you take everyone by surprise. Sure. So it doesn't always mean that you've done something brilliant. It just means that you've done something different sometimes when you get a big laugh. Right. Um, sometimes you get a laugh because you're doing something a bit outrageous and subverting the scene. And the reality is, you know, deep down inside, they're probably not going to use it. Because, it yeah. Well, yeah, because it's not going to serve the show very well. Sure. But the one line was the um, some of my best friends are bluish because I thought it thematically linked to um, what had been going on with Bill and Darren in, in Oxygen mm. uh, in terms of, you know, in terms of her shock at his color. And it also it's just obviously bluish Jewish. It was and I'm Jewish and I just it just I was like I was really happy with that line I was like yeah that's really good and I really hope they keep that in and every so often I'd say was oh, that line still in and I wrote to Stephen Moffat and Jamie Matheson and said look I've improvised a line and I never would do this but I really hope you keep it in obviously it's up to you yeah and they and they did and I was really pleased because um because I was really I thought it was a good line but um uh what was the question I don't, I don't remember. I don't know. I, don't know. I was probably asking myself something. Um, oh. You just have to trust the process. I keep I keep coming back to that. Yeah. You know, you just have to let it go. You have to let it go. Sometimes I sometimes I was like, damn, I wish I'd done that differently. And Peter would say, just let it go. Move on. Next thing. You know, because he's right. The show does zip along. Yeah. We had one actor who took ages and ages and ages um, and, and wasn't really didn't really understand how we filmed the show and he analyzed every line like we were doing a play and and um i remember just thinking you know not wanting to you know just it's not my decision to say we should move on you know that's up to other people yeah. and actually actually we did we ended up having to redo the schedule and everything because it was taking so long but I just remember thinking, all this stuff you're worrying about isn't. You're not even going to even be on camera when that happens, mm. you know. And 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 that's the reality of it. You just kind of you knock it out quick. You're nodding. I'm nodding, and none of that's good for audio. Rudimentary broadcasting rules, Paul. Um, now you you have to run off and get suited up, don't you? You got to go off and do QI now. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go off QI, and then um, I'm not sure what I'm going to do this evening. I've got a rare night of nothing planned. I like to spend time with my dogs. I might watch something on TV. What should I watch? Uh, you could just watch more Doctor Who. Go and watch Extremis. You know, sit there with the dogs. Oh, yeah, maybe I'll, watch maybe I'll watch Extremis. Yeah, maybe I'll watch that. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. forgot. I forgot. Yeah, on, I'll watch that. Good idea. You're on TV. Just get some jammy dodges and ramp up some, ramp up some you. Uh, Hey, you've been an absolute delight. Thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. That's all right. I promise to be fully clothed next time. I, I refuse. I refuse your offer. <laughs> Semi-clad always. Matt Lucas, thank you so much. Live long and prosper. Wrong show, dickhead. <laughs> oh. Oh. See, I'm useless. Strong, Cheerio. Strong finish. Bye. <laughs> this week in Doctor Who Cliff's Notes, we're going to look at the Doctor with the question mark umbrella, the seventh Doctor. Now, the seventh Doctor, played by Sylvester McCoy, started out clownish, frankly. Maybe that was to take the sting 
out of how much of a colossal turd Colin Baker's Sixth Doctor could be at times, you know, just to sort of like take it in the other direction. But as the Seventh Doctor's tenure went on, he became dark and manipulative and cunning and, for many years, one of my favourite Doctors. In fact, he was... My, oh god, you know that annoying question that anyone involved in Doctor Who gets asked when the interviewer is floundering for what to talk about? Who's your Doctor? Well, see, I'm asking myself that, and technically that's okay, and I'm answering with Seven. So, one of my first memories of the show was turning on the TV and seeing the Seventh Doctor and his companion Ace facing off against the Daleks, and Ace had this baseball bat made out of Dalekanium, and she smashed the Dalek with it. And the Dalek exploded, and I squealed, and a lifelong fandom and crush on any girl in a leather jacket was born. Now, the Seventh Doctor regenerated, as mentioned on last week's episode, in less than ideal circumstances, because the BBC didn't get Colin Baker across to do the regeneration, because everything was sort of up in the air and they weren't getting along. So Sylvester McCoy had to pop on a curly blonde wig for the cutaway shot and pretend to be Colin Baker, which is not... I mean, that's not ideal. Now, between seasons, the Rani crashed his TARDIS, and he, you know, had to regenerate, and for the first few episodes, he and Mel headed off on a few adventures before he left her and was introduced to the companion I really want to talk about this week, and that's Ace. Now, Ace was a teenager from a town called Perryvale, and she was whipped out of the 1980s by a time storm conjured up by a bad guy called Fenric. I mean, we'll, you know... We've all been there. So the Doctor and Ace ended up having one of the best relationships of any Doctor and companion on the show. Uh, partly because he manipulated her occasionally, sometimes just outright lying to save her life, but he always had her best interests at heart. She also tended to call him Professor rather than Doctor, which is why I really enjoy Bill, because she did that for a while. I'm not sure if that's a callback or not, but it's, it's definitely a callback. Now, Ace described the Seventh Doctor as well-devious, which made me love her even more, but she was right. He was well devious. He was incredibly smart, treating people around him less like people and more like chess pieces. You know, like means to an end. He pretty much had these horrible, wonderful schemes in place, and he would just sort of throw caution to the wind, and ah, he was a bit of a dick, but I loved him. But the most fascinating thing about the Seventh Doctor's tenure is something called the Cartnell Master Plan. Now, the... Where to begin with this? So I actually ended up interviewing Sylvester McCoy on the phone. He was down in New Zealand for this press junket for the second Hobbit film. He actually played Radagast the Brown in the, uh, in the Hobbit and Lord of the Rings films. So I called him up and Sylvester McCoy is quite old. So he's in his hotel room and he picks up the phone and you can hear him shuffling around and drinking tea and he just sounded exhausted, which is understandable. So one of the first things I frankly, assailed him with was my adoration for something called the Cartmel Master Plan. Now, the uh, script editor at the time, Andrew Cartmel, had this idea that, before the show got cancelled in 1989 anyway, the plan was for the Doctor to gradually remember who he really was. Which is to say, in the lore that never really got fleshed out, um, Time Lords aren't born right? They're actually grown, they're, they're woven from these genetic looms, and each ancestral Time Lord house has a big genetic loom. You know, every house has a genetic loom, that old chestnut. So the, uh, the genetic loom and the ancestral home of, uh, of the Doctor's house is called uh, Lungbarrow. So that's Lungbarrow House, right? And that's where the Doctor was woven from. And the idea is that Omega, Rassilon, and the other were the three Time Lords that basically created time travel and the, you know, the origins of Time Lord society. And as was going to be revealed, uh, Omega and Rassilon 
you know, performed a bit of a coup. You know, a cheeky coup, and uh, were about to kill the other, and rather than be, you know, the other was actually the one of the three of them who was kind of the mastermind, and rather than be killed by these two upstarts, he jumped into, like, the central processing hub of all the looms on Gallifrey and got burned to a crisp. But then what happened is, he got reconstituted and was kind of reincarnated and emerged as the Doctor. And the idea was that the Seventh Doctor was the first incarnation of the Doctor to remember who he truly was. And there were going to be moments in the season, and there are still a few vestiges of this, where the Seventh Doctor sort of arcs up and becomes this, like, you know, Emperor-style godlike figure. And just really lets the bad guys have it with both barrels. There's a scene in Remembrance of the Daleks where he does just that. And, you know, there's definitely a touch of that to the oncoming storm stuff that Tennant's Doctor had. Anyway, the series got cancelled before they could do that. It got cancelled before they could, you know, um, Ace was going to become the first human Time Lord. The Doctor was basically grooming her because he had so much respect for her and she was going to end up on Gallifrey. And all these amazing plans got snuffed out because the show got cancelled in 1989. Meaning we never got to finish this story. Although, if you want to find out where it was going, um, there's a book called Lung Barrow, which you can read online, and it's worth checking out. Now, the Seventh Doctor series, you know, did continue into the late 90s in book form, and of course, we get heaps of Seven and Ace in big finish, but we also got to see Sylvester McCoy regenerate in spectacular fashion in, oh boy, the Doctor Who telly movie starring Paul McGann. Now, here's a teaser for you about next week's Doctor Who Cliff's Notes, and this is going to leave you on a bit of a cliffhanger. Paul McGann's my favourite Doctor. There you go, think about that. Sadly, that's all the time we have for this week's episode of The Doctor Is In, but really, just a huge thank you to you for listening. I'm really glad you're enjoying the show. Thank you so much to my guest this week, Matt Lucas. Put Put some pants on your bloody flirt. And of course, uh, I have some amazing guests lined up for the next few weeks of the show. Uh, Don't forget to head across to ABC iView and uh, check out my appearance on Whovians on ABC2. It was an absolute blast. And also, one last thing, and this is a bit of a treat for you guys, um, the kind folks across at uh, Roadshow Films have got 10 copies of Doctor Who Season 10 Part 1 on DVD and Blu-ray. Now, it's coming out in shops on May the 31st, but uh, they got in touch and they they want you to have some stuff. So if you want to win a copy of Doctor Who Season 10 Part 1 on DVD or Blu-ray, you get to pick which one, uh, then all you have to do is hop across to Twitter and uh, tweet what your favourite episode has been so far from this season and why. So you tweet that at, uh, at our Twitter account, which is at TDIIPod. So that's at TDI iPod. Just tweet what your favorite episode of this season of Doctor Who has been and why, and you could win a copy of Doctor Who Season 10 Part 1. Anyway, uh, I will see you all bright and early next week for another episode of The Doctor Is In. See ya. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.